This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. If you've got money, honey, I've got time. We'll go honky-tonkin' and we'll have a time. We'll have more fun. Baby. Hello, welcome back. I'm Ken Smothers. I do not know what that music was. Um, I'm a professor here at the Wharton School. My son, the engineer, is just laughing at me right now. Um, and you're listening to Your Money, Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. If you want some advice, what to do with your money, how to save it, invest it, buy insurance, get in the will, anything related to your finances, we'd love to have your question here. Give me a call. Love to talk to you about it here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we'll welcome your calls about anything related to your finances. We'll answer them on the show. And welcome to the show, Ryan Vogel, who's a senior wealth advisor and partner with Private Wealth Management Group in Princeton, New Jersey. A certified financial planner, like all our firms on the show, a fee only. Uh, a practice. He originally started out with the Vanguard Group, a, a company we talk about a lot in this show, and um, uh, he then uh, joined the Private Wealth Management Group, his current company, in 2006, became a partner in 2013, and where he leads the investment committee. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. It's great to be on. And I'll go back to the phone in just a minute here. Before doing that, Ryan, just tell us a little bit about your firm, and if you have a, a typical client, what's he or she like? Sure, sure. So we're we're excited because we're we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Excellent. Mentioned <laughs> we've always been a fee-only comprehensive uh, wealth management, and um, we've got two CFPs here. There's three associate advisors and one office manager. And um, as you mentioned, we're in Princeton, New Jersey, but only about 40% of our clients are local. So we do have clients uh, all across the country mm-hmm. utilizing teleconferencing, screen sharing, things like that. Excellent. But, um, so what's a typical we, client? A typical client is uh, usually someone working either for the university here in Princeton or for a local pharmaceutical company, and when people just uh, their lives are so complex that they're just looking to simplify, and yeah. they don't have the time or knowledge or interest, so um, they come and seek our assistance. No, I hope you gave those Princeton professors really bad advice, <laughs> and no, I'm just encourage them to come here. To, uh, to, to Penn. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm again speaking with Ryan Vogel, Senior Wealth Advisor and Partner of Private Wealth Management Group in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, live on Tuesday, pick up the phone, give me a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And let me go to Nick. I say this with a heavy heart because it says Massachusetts, which means Patriots country. How can we help you, Nick? <laughs> hey, Ken, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this show. Honestly, uh, I'm only 20 years old, but I've like in the past year, I've learned so much from this show, and it's, it's doing a great service. Great. Thank, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, those guys in Massachusetts, they, I guess they can be nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> how, how can I help you? Yeah. Um, but essentially, my question is, uh, I'm 20 years old, and I went on your website because um, I'm trying to find a financial advisor, yeah. and you have a, uh, a source that kind of finds ones that you've Vet it out, I guess. Yep, yep. Um, but I was hoping you could give me a recommendation for um, a source to find out what questions to ask and um, a com- like conversation starters and how to vet out uh, financial vi- advisors in my own interview with them. Yeah. Um, I wish you would make one. That would be amazing if you could make <laughs> one. But if not, um, at least maybe you could tell me and 
where I could find some literature on that. Yeah, I usually scream by you know football teams that they like, you know, <laughs> and hockey teams and things like that. No, I uh, no, that's a, a fantastic question, and it's such a you know, listen. You're 20 years old, like you know, uh, people your age are not even thinking ahead this way, and just even thinking about the interview is really important. Let me ask you. I mean, I, I, at 20 years old, I mean, it's probably unclear exactly all your goals ex- except for eventual retirement. Do you have any specific things that you're trying to get done over the next, let's just say, five years? I'm even worried about the next 10 years. I mean, is it going to graduate school? Is it, you know, you got some specific short-term goals? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, retirement is what I'm eventually saving for. But sure. in five years, um, I'm I'm not going to graduate school. I, I electrical engineering at UMass Amherst, and uh, um, I already have a job lined up because I'm working there right now, so I'm making some money right now. Basically, I don't have any big-term goals. I mean, I want to be able to, you know, buy a house and maybe buy a car, lease a car, whatever is most intelligent. Yeah. But I have extra money right now, and I don't want it just sitting there. I want it to grow. I, I want it to beat inflation, and I don't want to just, like, you know, keep it in my bank account. Sure. I want to... Um, I want to invest it, and I want to be smart with my money. Yeah, you've, you've honestly changed the way that I think about money. Well, thanks. And think about really life. So. Wow. very generous and very kind with you. <laughs> and that's just money, life. He said. <laughs> well, yeah, you have lifestyle advice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, I, my producer is really laughing her butt off right now. But in any case, um, uh, so so Nick, uh, in terms of you know, you're in a pretty common situation. Um, you know, at 20 years old, you know, still have a lot of uns certainty ahead of you outside um, retirement. So Ryan, you know, I think the question here is what questions should Nick be thinking about given his kind of life stage and so forth? But secondly, I think it's maybe even the bigger question, what type of advisor? Does he even need to, you know, think it be thinking about you know, um, uh, you know, advisor taking wealth under management. He's, you know, Nick may be in the kind of something called the Henry Group. You know, high earner, not yet rich. You know, kind of group. But maybe it's just uh, you pay someone by the hour, um, um, of that sort. But is maybe doing Vanguard himself. You know, your thoughts about uh, what should he, how should he be approaching that conversation with the financial advisor? Well, one of the organizations that my firm is a member of is NAPFA. It's N-A-P-F-A dot org. And on their website, they have some great resources as far as what questions to ask advisors when you're interviewing advisors. Uh, In your stage, Nick, I mean, maybe you're just looking for the direction, pointing in the right direction as far as it may only need an hourly type plan to get you you started. I mean, some of the things that I think you should be kind of considering are, well, one, the job that you have, I mean, do they offer any benefits or access to any type of retirement plans? And if not, I mean, certainly contributing as much as you can to either more likely a Roth IRA for thinking long term, you want to try and max that out to the extent that you can. Um, to try and make sure that you're maximizing tax-free growth for retirement. Plus, it has some flexibility. I mean, I, I like to think of Roth IRAs as kind of a last-case scenario for pulling things for things like a, a first-time home purchase. But um, money is available so long as you have the account open for at least five years. So um, definitely those type of questions. Plus, I mean, you, you also want to think about getting a job right out of retirement, just the idea around uh, different insurance benefits, so things like disability insurance. Uh, you really want to protect yourself as a younger uh, younger employee. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic advice. In, in, in particular, Nick, 
at your life stage, you want to be certainly first really probing the employer side benefits. You said electrical engineer, probably unless you're working for a startup, which could be you know potential in you know a place like uh, Massachusetts. But um, yeah, right now you, I work for a CVS. Okay. Um, All right. So, so they, I have a 401k, and they have good good benefits from what I heard. I, I still I, need to have a conversation with my uh, HR to figure out what exactly I can get. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and by the way, doing that soon, uh, it makes it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, so it, definitely the employer side benefits. Yeah, it's likely like you, you just said. It, it, it's uh, it probably uh, fairly generous there. So really trying to figure out how to navigate. Uh, uh, that and then you know thinking about through some of the options of potentially what you want to do with your money in terms of flexibility um, is the conversations I would be having. You know, a lot of it's just you know, kind of chemistry. They kind of get they kind of get you. That doesn't have to necessarily be an in person. You know, same room. It can also be uh, as Ryan pointed out. They do a lot of their clients by you know uh, video and so forth. Uh, it, it, I had a company um, some years ago that was actually one of the first companies to use. Uh, video um, in uh, financial practice, and people thought, you know, it seemed kind of weird at the time. But in fact, our clients really loved it. A lot of our advisors actually met in the same room. But in many cases, you know, the, uh, you could see both sides have video and they see expressions and so forth. And uh, it, it really is, you know, uh, often a very good solution. So you don't necessarily have to look for someone who's local. You can even uh, f- get that chemistry kind of more broadly with somebody more long distance. And NAPFA, a great organization, um, NAPFA.org, uh, their organization, the fee-only uh, advisors. A lot of this, you know, the questions there are, you know, making sure that first of all you are dealing with a member only, fee only, um, and but then on top of that, then is you know a lot of it is you know what are the you know the experience, you know the generic stuff, what experience, you know things like that. Um, um, do you have? I found that uh, the experience stuff is great and so forth. In many cases, I think you know just uh, having somebody who's maybe you know in their thirties in, in your case. You know, some of the younger advisors, the next generation advisors, um, they're going to get you. I mean, they're going to you know, understand it. And there's, uh, in fact, we have a group on our website, kendamane.com, that actually is in the Boston area that deals with what's called Henry's, high, high earners, net, um, not yet rich uh, groups. And those are, those are the type of groups I would, I would personally be looking at. And even if, yeah, they've only been around for a few years, they actually are, you know, highly skilled and, you know, trained and, you know, uh, they've passed, you know, their, their uh, as, as uh, CFP exams and things like that more recently, and, and they, they they know what they're doing, and so um, that's what I would, I would personally be, be be looking for is certainly check the boxes and experience and so forth, but really you know looking at chemistry um, as well. Is that helpful, Nick? Yeah. What well, what was the name in Boston that you said? I'm just uh, you know, I've, I've I've several, and so I I tell you what. Um, it, it put it in Massachusetts. If you don't see it there, then maybe uh, contact the producer at the show. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, but right, yeah, I, I've I've had him on the show. He's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm just brain dead uh, right dead. now because I'm just uh, a little under the weather. So thanks so much for calling, Nick. Uh, if we, if we can't find it again, call back. We'll we'll get it for you offline. Uh, and uh, Pat Cote, yes, my producer. Man, she's she's the brain. Yeah, uh, Pat Cote, C O T E, French name, um, is uh, on the website, and so check him out. Thanks so much, Colin Nick. Really appreciate it. And again, speaking with Ryan Vogel, uh, senior wealth advisor and partner, private wealth 
Management Group in Princeton, New Jersey. Live on Tuesday at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And I'm going to another one from Massachusetts. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Goraf, Goraf uh, from Massachusetts. How can I help you, Graf? Hi, Ken. How are you? Thanks Good. For taking my call. You're welcome. How are so? You know, I would. You know, normally I would. You know, say go whatever team is. You know, in the Super Bowl for the person that's calling. But you know, it's against my team this time. So, but. How are you doing, Garaf, up there? And the snow's coming in and so forth. It should be a great game. Um, how can we help you? I'm looking forward to it. And uh, what are the odds? Two callers from uh, from this area, right? <laughs> one after the other. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the reason I'm calling in is I'm trying to figure out um, you know, what to do with my retirement planning, yeah. with savings, with paying, paying down some debt. Um, so I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on how I should allocate some uh, cash that I have, mm. what I should do in terms of next steps. I want to start investing in mutual funds. I don't, I don't do that yet. So just around those areas, a little bit more sort of fleshing out my plan. Yeah, yeah. So give me, tell me some of the basics. You know, tell me your age, how much have you saved up for retirement, your household income, monthly expenses. Give me, give me some of the, uh, the, the normal stats. Sure. So I'm 37. Mm-hmm. Um, household income. My wife and I both work. It's about. 270 280 okay uh, we both have student loans I've got plenty from uh, from law school so I'm trying to pay those down we um, and that's that's right now at about uh, 90 95,000 okay and what's the interest rate and the highest interest rate uh, one of those loans sure so I refinanced just a couple of years ago so all of it now is consolidated and the interest rate I'm paying is just shy of uh, six Six percent. Actually, just over six. Months. Okay, so six percent. Okay, um, and uh, it, so the, certainly we we got some you know issues there. It's a pretty high risk free return right there. And then uh, tell me about your kind of retirement uh, savings so far. Sure. So I have uh, we have some money in four hundred one ks, our four hundred one k and our IRA account. Mm-hmm. That's about a hundred, about one hundred and thirty. Yeah. In mine, I think my wife has maybe another sixty or seventy in hers. Okay. And that, and then we're also saving in a five twenty nine plan. That's yeah. at about twenty. All right. And how how many kids? Uh, just one. One. Okay. And and so it, it, yeah, we always want to kind of shore up kind of retirement first. You said you're thirty seven. How old's your wife? She is forty. Forty, and so in terms of the uh, household income, the, the two seventy, how is that kind of uh, split between you two? So it's one seventy for me and a hundred for her. Okay, and you uh, you both are going to plan on working for some years, uh, uh, um, uh, both until you kind of in your sixties, something like that. That's the plan. Okay. Okay. And so uh, other debts, other issues that we should be kind of worried about, credit card debts, uh, uh, other things. Yeah, so uh, we, have a, we have a mortgage in our house. Yep. It's at about four four thirty. Actually, 430 is the first mortgage, and we also have a HELOC on it. So all, all in all, we are about four four eighty uh, on the house. Okay. And what's the interest rate yeah. on the HELOC? So the HELOC is, um, we just refinanced that as well. It's about... Two two point seven five. Okay, 
All right, so you know, variable, but nonetheless um, uh, a bit low. And I assume the 430 part is some low kind of fixed rate, you know, 30-year mortgage, something like that? It is. It's fixed rate, 30-year, and it is uh, 3%. Yeah, okay. And so in terms of cash flow, I mean, uh, it sounds like you have a lot of kind of money coming in. What's your monthly expenses like? Um, you have a child. I mean, is, is your current house kind of going to be suitable for, you know, family and things like that? <laughs> yes, that's well. That's one of the things uh, in the next three, four, five years that I'm thinking about. You know, the house situation. Okay. But uh, for now, the uh, what's what's coming in our expenses every uh, every month. They're 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 fairly high, and but that I'm including mortgage and other like life insurance uh, payments that we make. So all in all, it's about uh, ten or eleven in any given month. Okay, so if you just did the mortgage, I hope hopefully this is a term, you know, life insurance policy, not super expensive. It, it, it's just the real basics that you kind of have to continue to do. How, what what do you think you can get that down to that number? Uh, the mortgage? Not the mortgage, just kind of you know the necessities, because I, I I assume some uh, of the ten to eleven is you know maybe eating out a little bit, things like that. Yes, yes, it is, and you know the mortgage is a big chunk of that as well. So, um, my aim every month when we sit down and have a budget meeting, our aim is to get that down to you know about uh, five or six. Five to six, okay. Because you know, thinking about your mortgage is probably in the three thousand some range. There, it, it's probably not. Um, it's probably a third of that ten to ten to eleven thousand that we're talking about here. So. You know, yeah. If you could get that down to the, you know, cut in half that ten to eleven down to the five and six, that's going to give you a lot of cushion. Are you guys making full contributions uh, uh, to your four hundred one k or four hundred one k equivalents? Are you doing both doing the eighteen thousand? Yes, now we are. Okay, good, good. And it sounds like you're also doing a little bit on the IRA. So really, you know, it's a little open ended, but it sounds like you know, to me, the big questions should be. Um, you know, uh, you, you, it sounds like you potentially have some budget work to do. Is the, is, so you didn't say at the, at the start of the call exactly what the big question was, but it seems to me it's really this loan of $95,000 um, at 6%, and what to really kind of do with that, maybe try to pay it down a little bit uh, 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 faster. Is, is that, uh, w- would you say that that's kind of the big thing? That well, that yeah. The, the question in my mind right now is that versus. Uh, well, so I have uh, some cash reserve as well, yeah. and it's more than um, it, it's well over our six months, um, you know, projected expenses. So I'm trying to figure out with the extra cash, what's the best use of it? Should okay. I open up a mutual fund account right now or pay down that debt? Yeah. Okay. So how much extra cash are we talking about? Uh, it's it's about. Um, eighty-five, eighty-five thousand. Eighty-five thousand. Wow, fantastic! And so, you know, you always want to be mindful, especially with young kids. You know, six months and and so forth. Really, enough cash reserve and all that type of stuff. Suppose that it is in this eighty-five thousand dollars. It really comes down to a question. Then, what are you going to do with eighty-five? Are you going to put it to work in the market, or are you going to you know put it to work? You know, paying down this student uh, loan. Um, and when it comes to this loan, student loan, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna be assuming you're gonna be paying that 95,000 at 6%. There's not some loan forgiveness. You're not doing you know, you know, a lawyer for Compassion International or some, some charity or something like that. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So Ryan, uh, I, I certainly have a target in mind for this $95,000. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are pay down the loan. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, at 6%, I mean, as you say, the, the risk-free rate, you know you're getting that guaranteed 6%, I mean, is, as far as paying that off. And, um, I mean, you go out, you, you can certainly alternatives are, uh, other alternatives I see is you go out and invest in an individual account or you invest more money in the 529. But, I mean, t- to me, the clear answer is you, you start paying down that, down that law school debt aggressively before you start saving for more additional money into the 529. Yeah, that's, it, that's exactly. In particular, you're going to free up so much cash flow by just paying off that <clears throat> That ninety-five percent, ninety-five thousand dollar loan, um, uh, much more quickly. So yeah, it's, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. And but the way to think about graph is that if you were to put that eighty-five thousand dollars in the market, um, yeah, sometimes advisors, even sometimes well-meaning advisors, will say, oh, you know, over time, you know, they talk about time being diversification. It's not really the way economists think about it. But nonetheless, um, it, 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 they will say, you know, you can maybe get seven, eight percent, not taking into account the risk. I mean, it, it's comparing apples and oranges. Uh, presumably, if you put the mar- money in the, in the market, you'd be holding some bonds. Those bonds are not giving you a 6% guaranteed you know, risk-free return. So that $85,000, first thing is really make sure is that truly extra. Um, you know, give it some serious thought. You know, when you think about do you really have six months of expenses, of the type of expenses you're really willing to do. A lot of times people wouldn't, you know, they – and the hard knocks comes along, and they say, "Well, we don't really have to send our kid to you know, you know, uh, you know, yoga class, <laughs> things like that." Well, they continue to do that because they don't want to make big adjustments in their lifestyle and so forth. But if you're being realistic there, and eighty-five thousand dollars is really extra money, then what I would say is definitely put it toward that loan um, and uh, all of it. In fact, I wouldn't even split it up because that's a, such a high risk-free return. Is that helpful, Graph? That is very helpful. Yeah. If I could ask you just one one other question. Yep, I know really you, quick. You talk about, uh, yeah. about uh, Vanguard very much. So when and when I do get to a point where I can start investing in mutual funds, given my profile, is that the best uh, vehicle to look at? Well, some people people wonder if I own shares in Vanguard, but it's impossible to actually own shares in Vanguard because they're not a C-Corp. But in any case, uh, you know, you're calling from Massachusetts, so I wouldn't mind sticking it to Massachusetts by re- recommending Vanguard. But there's a particular firm in Massachusetts that might differ with that called Fidelity. The fact of the matter is, I mean, we, I, I, Vanguard's great. You know, TIA is great. Um, these are basically non kind of nonprofit firms. But you can go on to Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade trade and so forth. And as long as you're, you know, being really kind of smart and well, investing in low cost funds, um, and, and that's that's the that's the key is in uh, in either low cost, you know, low expenses uh, exchange traded funds or low cost um, mutual funds. Um, as long as and broadly diversified and so forth, you know, all those companies are great. And so it, I think what it is is it's really about cost. The diff- one reason why guys like me talk about Vanguard uh, a lot is simply because um, it, basically all their funds are typically low cost, at least for the category that you're investing in. Um, and that's simply because how how they're structured. Um, they're not going to be carrying the kind of the, the direct to market high cost. Uh, uh, funds. And so that's why it's kind of the safe option when I talk about it. But you can certainly do well on those other uh, 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 brokerage websites as well. The key about it is really just understand the cost of the funds that you're investing in. So thanks so much for calling, Graf. I really appreciate it. And uh, let me go to Bo calling from New York. More kind neutral territory. That could be a, you know, Eagles <laughs> fan. That could be that's Patriots. Right. We won't drill down too much, Bo, here. But how can we help you, Bo? Just a good game. Just a good uh, yeah. game. That's a polite answer. Right. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I'm 42 years old. 
I have a full-time job. I'm with the union, so I have a pension. Wow. I max out my 401k. I have an annuity. But I have just recently opened a side business, freelancing and consulting. Yep. Uh, so I want to know if that opens me up to other type of investments ah. or other type of tax strategies because I'm told that taxes can really kill your retirement savings. Yeah. So what, is, what does that open me up to? Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic question. I mean, but, but by the way, we won't spend too much time on it, but you know, having access to a pension, um, that, that's, that's fantastic. Do you know, keep in mind the type of pension you probably have access to is you know, when you think about the dollar benefit, you really want to adjust for inflation because most of the pensions, I mean, it's rare that you know, someone your age is going to have access to that nowadays, but you know, they typically don't, the benefit itself doesn't adjust for inflation. So we always want to you know, uh, be mindful of that. And it sounds like you're maxing out your 401k. So you're doing your $18,000 contributions? Is I that am. That, great, because a lot of times people think of this is getting the maximum match up for an employer. It's actually we can do more than that. We can get the eighteen thousand. So your side business. Tell me more about it. Is it just you, or do you have employees? No, it's just myself. Okay, so that opens up some options here. Um, and then uh, you're being paid like an independent contractor, or is it you're getting some ten ninety nine income uh, uh, from uh, 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 from something. Is is that how you're getting paid, or do you, do you set up some fancy thing and you're paying yourself through a W two? No, I am get it's it's pretty recent this business within the last couple months. Okay. So as far as filing, that's still yet to be done. As far as filing my taxes, I am getting paid via checks from businesses. Okay. And how are you organized? Is it action LLC or is it uh, just LLC? LLC. Okay. So Ryan, some thoughts here. I mean, there is definitely some opportunities. Uh, and he doesn't have employees, and so that creates some uh, potential opportunities there, too. Uh, we discussed some of the options for augmenting his pension 401k, assuming that the primary goal, as he stated, is for retirement. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumps in my mind is uh, to keep things simple and establish a uh, SEP, yeah. SEP IRA, and that way you're able to take about a quarter of the profits that you make and make an additional employer contribution to that type of account, and that'll allow you to be able to have some more tax-deferred savings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, Is that only based on profits, that, that type of investment? It's on earnings, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and typically a guy in your like consulting, yeah. I mean, you typically it's not like a manufacturer where you you know are have super you know maybe lots of revenue but also lots of costs. I mean, your your money mm-hmm. coming in is going to be fairly close outside of the you know the mileage in your car and th- other things that you're deducting. It's going to be pretty close to your actual earnings. So a, a SEP, an SCP, is is definitely the, the the way to go. If you had employees, um, there's a particular rules that you know kick in. In, 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 in terms of doing an employer side contribution, but you can actually uh, do set away quite a bit of money um, right now, and it's easy to set up. You can go on to Vanguard, you know, Fidelity, um, and all the other websites I just mentioned earlier in the previous call, and easily set up a SEP in probably you know just a, a, a ten minutes or less, and that's going to be the, the, the straightforward one. 
if, in fact, this thing really takes off and maybe you, know, you decide, hey, I want to do this kind of full time, something like that, there's other options that come up. You know, you could start to think of, especially mm-hmm. if you start to get more employees, you could start to think mm-hmm. about some, uh, set up your own 401k plan or solo, for, solo 401k. If you get really creative, there's a lot of money coming up. You can even get mm-hmm. go really complicated in what's called a cash balance plan that, that you can really mm-hmm. sock away a lot of money. You know, maybe call me in five years if that ever becomes the case. But <laughs> chances are the SEP is going to is really going to sweep up a lot of money. Um, so that okay. that really is going to be the thing, and and you can easily set that up uh, yourself yeah. just by going to you know Vanguard, okay. Fidelity Schwab, and so forth. Is that helpful, Bo? Yeah, it does. Is that a good choice? Again, I work full time. I make almost two hundred grand a year. So this side consulting will probably only bring in, I don't know, twenty grand a year. So that SEP is still a good option. Yeah, it is. In fact, it's actually okay. uh, the perfect option for something like that because you're not going to be right. putting all twenty away. It's, it's still limited um, uh, mm-hmm. to the fraction of that um, mm-hmm. that the actual uh, 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 consulting income. The other 200000 is not relevant here. It's just really the, uh, the fraction of the consultant income that comes in. So, so yeah, yeah, just because it is not a big fraction of your total resources, the SEP is actually the perfect option. Thanks so much for calling, Bo, right. and let me squeeze in one more call before the break, and that's David from Arizona. How can we help you, David? I have two questions if you have time. Yes. The first one is my mother-in-law passed away, had an annuity that did not annuitize and the beneficiaries were my wife and her brother, so that's been divided between the two, and they have five years to take the money out. Yep. And we don't know what the rules are about that, whether or not uh, the interest comes out first and it's all taxable, it's come out for a rate We don't even know what the basis is. Yeah, yeah. We've not been able to find out yet. And what's what's the total value of the, the annuity? Do you, do you know? About eighty thousand each. Eighty thousand each. Okay. All right. So we're not talking about um, it just huge amounts. And do you know did that it pass just directly to you as beneficiaries, or is that going through an estate? Do you know? Going directly to them as beneficiaries. Okay. All right. So Ryan, uh, uh, just uh, we have just a couple of minutes left. Uh, explain the rules there. Well, as far as that is concerned. Um, <clears throat> And I just want to make sure I'm understanding the the question properly. So mother-in-law passed away. Wife and brother uh, were the beneficiaries. And the the basis, you said, was about 80,000? That's right. The the balance is 80. We have no idea what the balance is. No idea what the basis. That's right. Really, what I've seen in the past is, I mean, for distributions, it's on a pro rata basis. But without the without knowing the the basis, that's challenging. Um, yeah, it is. So, <laughs> go 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 ahead, Ryan. No, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't want to <laughs> say go talk out of line here. Okay, so ba- basically, David. It is a fairly a complicated because annuities, the non-annuitized. So what what happened is normally annuities when you die, the definition of annuity just kind of goes away. The insurance company collects um, the the remainder. What happens with some annuities um, is that it, they have a guaranteed period. If you die within five years or ten years, then you could pass this along. Uh, 
even though uh, if it was uh, if it, this was part of an estate, you have a very big exemption. That's not true with inherited annuities. In particular, you usually will be paying some taxes at the income tax with an inherited annuity, and it's typically going to be taxed on the lump sum um, or on the regular payments that you would get um, from that at the regular income tax rate. However. Always something like this, um, you know. Check with your local um, uh, uh, tax uh, uh, CPA on that because there can be special rules that apply. Thanks so much uh, for the call. Sorry, I have to go. And thank you for Ryan for coming on the show. You can find more about Ryan by going to his website, myprivatewealth.com. Again, myprivatewealth.com. Thank my wonderful guest and audio engineer Tatiana Zemis and Schultz is stuck in my producer. We'll see you next Tuesday, 5 p.m. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.